Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, August 14th, 2021. In 2003, the movie Bruce Almighty was released, a story about a man named Bruce who complains about God, so God gives him the powers of God for a time to see if he can do a better job. It's a ridiculous movie, which I do not promote for countless reasons that I don't need to walk through on this podcast. However, there's one particular scene where Bruce is calling out to God while driving in his car, and it goes something like this. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? Then talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. I need your guidance, Lord. Please send me a sign. This scene exposes the sentiment that unfortunately most people have about God, that he answers to them, not the other way around. It exposes a low view of God and a low view of scripture because we know that God talks to us through his word. But there's something else that might sound familiar to you in this monologue. The words, send me a sign. We've heard that before, right? As a matter of fact, we have heard this before in the Gospel of Luke, and today Jesus is going to respond to this request with full force. Our passage in Luke today starts out with the crowds increasing, and then Jesus says, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Remember, the crowd asked for a cosmic sign back in verse 16. This sign of Jonah is alluding to a few things. Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, and Jesus will be in the tomb for three days and three nights. So Jesus is saying, if you want a real sign, pay attention because I'm going to die soon and I'm going to raise from the dead. Also, this sign of Jonah is linked to the concept of repentance. Those in Nineveh repented from their sin and put their faith in the Lord. So too will this crowd need to repent from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. As Jesus states it, for as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus then alludes to the Queen of the South coming from a great distance to see Solomon. You can read about this story in 1 Kings 10, 1-13, where the Queen of Sheba visits Solomon, and she is in awe of his wisdom, wealth, and power. Jesus is eternally greater than Solomon, and these people have him right in front of them. In that same vein, Jesus says that the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. The men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and here Jesus stands, Jonah's Lord, preaching a message of repentance, and they want another sign? They have all that they need right in front of them. Now, before we get too frustrated with this crowd, let's turn this story on ourselves and look into the mirror of Scripture. Speaking of those who have no excuses, I mean, we live in a time with access to more Bible teaching, books, and resources than any other generation to live on this planet. We have devices to listen to good expository preaching at any time and at any place. And let's take a moment to praise God for that. I'm so grateful for the books, software, videos, and podcasts that allow me to study deeply without hesitation or discomfort. I like reading biographies, and it's not uncommon for me to read a of a faithful pastor from the 19th century who hunched over a small desk with his pen and paper, shuffling through a stack of books and commentaries that overloaded his desk, warmed by a wood stove, barely able to see by the flickering candlelight. And that's how they lived their life faithfully for the Lord, studying day after day. And here I am, studying on a powerful computer, 
with incredible Bible software that contains thousands of books, and then recording a podcast that I can instantly share with people all over the world. Now, do I bring that up to conjure up some feeling of guilt or shame for having access to more and better resources? No, not at all. But what I do want us to think about is this. What are we going to do with what God has given us? In a passage in Luke 12, where Jesus speaks of being ready for his return, he wraps up his thoughts saying this, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Furthermore, if we're ever sitting around and asking, I just don't know what God wants me to do, which I think is sometimes our version of Jesus, just give me a sign. We must realize that we have the full canon of scripture. That is way better than all the podcasts, videos, and books in the world. Even the people who Christ is talking to in this passage, they didn't have the New Testament to read and obey. If we want to know God's will, we must know the word of God. We will find his will there. And we must also do what Romans 12, 2 commands. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to not think or behave like the world in order to understand the will of God through his scripture. You see, these people that Jesus is frustrated with in this passage, they had more to work with than the Ninevites. It says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with that generation and condemn it. But you and I have more to work with than Christ's audience in this passage. So we will be judged to a greater degree. We could easily say the men in this passage will rise up at the judgment with our generation and condemn it. We have the complete Bible, God's holy and living word. And we have more resources than any human to ever live to learn what it means to develop habits biblically and to obey the word of God. So a question for today is this. Are you waiting for Christ to tap you on the shoulder and to ask you to get in the game? Well, consider this your tap. And I don't say that in my own authority, but in the authority of scripture, which is clear that we are called to a mission, a mission to make disciples. And we've been given everything that we need to do that. We actually come in the authority of Jesus Christ, and he's been given all authority. And you can see that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And that mission doesn't end until Christ comes back or we meet him face to face upon our death. And as we continue to go through the book of Nehemiah, we see the fruit of someone who is obedient to God's will, who used the resources God gave him to fulfill his plan regardless of the consequences. In chapter 9, we see fruit in the form of contrite hearts as the Israelites confess their sins and recount the great faithfulness of the Lord. They retell the pattern of Israel's disobedience and God's grace and mercy. Then in chapter 10, as a response to their previous sinful wanderings, they make a covenant, or perhaps a way to think of this as a pledge to walk faithfully with the Lord. To summarize this pledge, they will enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord and his rules and his statutes. And they go on to list out all the things that they are committing to along the way, repeating as it is written in the law. Perhaps this is a good reminder for all of us when we sin and confess our sins to the Lord. Our next steps shouldn't be to try really hard to do good things as defined by our emotions or what the world says is good, but rather we should look to the word of God. Read it again, know what it says, and then commit to living it out. Lord, I will trust you and not lie to get what I want, as it is written in the law. 
Lord, I will keep myself pure and unstained from the world as it is written in the law. Lord, I will not hurt others with my words out of anger as it is written in the law. And the list goes on and on. It's a very subtle and easy thing to do to make even our repentance about ourselves. But we must remember that we aren't repenting because we're sad about getting caught or being a bad person. No, we're repenting because we've sinned against our holy God. And therefore, the first action to be taken after we repent is to do what God wants, not what we feel. And there may be no better way to take our focus off ourselves and put it on the Lord than reading Psalm 96. This psalm is one of my personal favorites. And for today, I want to focus on two verses, verses two and three. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Right here, in these two short verses, we are offered a great reminder. We should be people who worship God and bless his name. So often we put the focus on ourselves, asking God to bless us. But how often do we think about blessing God? We should be telling of his salvation day to day. Are we praying for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel? Are we living in the confidence and joy of our salvation so that at any given moment, we would be ready to share the gospel without a tinge of hypocrisy? We should declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And we just had our dear brother, John Sanborg, come back from Uganda, where he was clearing trees and brush to prepare roads and building pads for sufficiency of scripture ministries with our dear brother, Shannon Hurley, who runs that ministry in Uganda. They are a missionary partner of ours. And although John went to change the landscape of several acres, the ministry as a whole is working to change the spiritual landscape of the entire country of Uganda. They are training pastors to plant churches all throughout the nation. I pray in our lifetime that we can see the fruit of this amazing mission. If you're a part of Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, then you're a part of that. You should be proud of the work being done in Uganda for Christ. But please continue to partner with us as we declare his glory among the nations. You can pray for sufficiency of scripture ministries or Pastor Shannon Hurley. You can give faithfully to Compass Bible Church as we continue to give faithfully to SOS. You can go to Uganda someday when we send a team over there to help them accomplish the mission. And as we consider what it might look like to travel as a missionary to far off places for the gospel, I think a great way to end this week of revival from the Bible is to finish up the book of Colossians, written by the Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest church planner and missionary to ever live. Paul offers some final greetings in this fourth chapter that I think are fitting to think about as we head to church tomorrow to worship God together as a body of Christ. Paul gives the Colossians a few final instructions, and then he jumps into a final greeting, including his ministry partners who have been with him through his imprisonment. That's the part I want to focus on today, because it's easy to quickly overlook the final words in the same vein as it's easy to overlook in introductions in a book of the Bible. But I think there's some real meat here for us to consider. It is the word of God after all. First, it's important to note that Paul doesn't do ministry alone. Paul, perhaps the greatest evangelist to ever walk this earth, didn't do it alone. He relied on men and women along his journey to see God's work completed. And I want to take a moment to praise God for Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley. What a privilege it is to serve this body and what an honor it is to do it alongside such wonderful people as yourselves. God is so good to provide help through his body. No person can do the work of ministry alone. So that's my first question is, are you trying to do the work of ministry alone? Or are you relying on other people in the church? This requires humility and vulnerability, two ingredients that are essential to growing in Christ likeness. 
If you're trying to go it alone, please consider the great blessing that God is providing through his church. You might say, but what if some of those people hurt me? Well, they will. And I think you should set your expectations now that that will happen. But even Paul shows us that forgiveness and reconciliation are important here in this passage because Mark, the Mark he lists off here, is the same Mark that caused a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas sometime earlier. It's clear that they have worked through it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So can you, regardless of the circumstance and the person. Second, it's important to note that Paul lists off almost the same names as he did in Philemon, with the exception of Jesus called Justice. Paul is faithful to build and keep relationships. A mature Christian should have relationships that last a lifetime in the church. If we know the Word of God and we're obedient to it, a big theme this week on Revival from the Bible, then we'll have the tools necessary to grow and maintain deep relationships with brothers and sisters in the church, not through our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit guided by the truth of the Bible. You and I don't need to ask the Lord for a sign because we have thousands of years worth of signs, the foremost being the holy canon of scripture. I pray as we gather tomorrow for church to worship the Lord, we will not take for granted the fact that we can open our Bibles, read what it says, and actually hear God speak to us. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. A couple of special guests will be with you on Monday and Tuesday, and I'll be back with you on Wednesday. And Ben Blakey, he'll be back on August 25th. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.